Hello and welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 109, a special edition. Because there's so much going on and the time is winding down very fast, I have uh, decided that today we're going to do Milkshake Monday. We understand that there's a wonderful holiday tomorrow, but there's some things going on that, that need to be talked about today. And I ask for your prayers and intercession that we will be able to share them to be a comfort to a lot of people that are going through. And the topic is says, where do we go from here? Now, I in my own personal life know that I have family members, one of my first cousins who's lost a 19-year-old son and her husband within days of each other. I know of people who have lost family members. You see them on the TV, the pain, the hurt, all of these things happening. I also see that there are people who have children that are hungry, families that are trying to struggle. Everything is going on all at once. And then there are those who have, everything seems to be pretty well, as normal as they can make it in a pandemic. They have their jobs they're going to, they're having paychecks, and they're just living what they consider a, a, a shifted or a changed life, but it's really no hardship. And for those of us who may find ourselves in one of those plateaus or the other, it's still important to know that Jesus Christ is there. And so today, Milkshake Monday, episode 109, I wanted to talk about where do we go from here because I wanted to share some things in the spiritual uh, realm to help, help you understand that Jesus Christ is never going to leave you or forsake you in all these things that are happening. And I wanted to show you from his own mouth and his own experience some things so that it'd help you. And I understand we're talking about mask or no mask, people getting sick, people dying, people losing their jobs, people being evicted. All these things are can be talked about for hours and hours. But only the Lord Jesus Christ knows exactly what you're dealing with. Knowing what you're dealing with, whether it's domestic violence or it's that your car won't run, but you don't have money to pay for it. You don't have enough gas to go there. You don't have enough time or a car just to take off to stand or, or be in a car to wait for you to get food and things for your family. I don't know what it is, but Christ does. So I wanted to share three things about what I want you to see from Christ. Christ has compassion for you. His heart can be touched. The shortest scripture in the Bible we always remember is Jesus wept. But if that's not the only time that he's shown compassion, just the fact that he said to his father, father, that he's going to take deity and put it in a human body that can get tired, that can get hungry, that can get sleepy and has to walk and have sweat. Just because he loved you so much. That says something. He has a compassion that none of us sometimes in the middle of going through these tragedies and these losses and these failures and the depression and despair, we just kind of forget. We think we're all by ourselves, but we're not. That's a lie of the devil. So I want us to go to Mark chapter 14 because I want to see some things about Christ that all of us can appreciate. Maybe right now where all is going well with you, you know, everything in your house is good. You can open your refrigerator and you see milk and eggs and you can see butter and you can see all the different things you're going to have for the choices for today and tomorrow and the rest of the week. But then somebody else opens a refrigerator and it's empty, opens a refrigerator and it's dark because they don't have electricity. We don't know where you are in this place of life, whether you're in the storm or you're 
out of the storm or you're seeing the dark gray clouds forming. But look at Jesus for whatever you're going through. And he's right there. He's right there. The dollar bills may not be in your wallet, may not be in your bank account, on your debit card. Groceries may not be in your refrigerator. But something you got to hold on for hope. And this is what I want you to see in Mark chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 10. I want y'all to understand. Jesus Christ had a cousin. And just like I have a cousin, and I have cousins that have just passed away, we didn't have no notice. You go in for something you don't feel good, find out you have COVID, then you're, you're going through the spells of finding yourself from in this life until you're into the next eternal. But the reality is Christ had a situation where one of his first cousins, his cousin, well, maybe the second cousin, because I'm not sure how to think, but Mary's auntie was in a situation where she had a child late in life, and that child was John the Baptist. And so when Jesus hears that John the Baptist, who baptized him, was beheaded, he wasn't just killed. He didn't die of a sickness or disease. He was murdered in the prime of his life. If Jesus died at the age of 33, John was just a little bit older. And John was beheaded before Christ's crucifixion. So here in this scene in Mark chapter 14, he's hearing about his cousin dying, his cousin being murdered. And immediately after this, in the midst of his grief, his loss, his devastation, his being in a fog of understanding that somebody he loved had been murdered. Look at what happens. We're going to start at verse 10 of Mark chapter 14. So he sent and had John beheaded in the prison. That's, that's Herod. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, his stepdaughter, who had asked for it. And she brought it to her mother. The mother instigated because John had been telling the truth that Herod shouldn't have been married to his brother's wife. That was wrong. But because he spoke the truth, the mother couldn't stand him and had John's head beheaded. In verse 12, then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. So this is the scene we're opening it up, showing you Jesus' compassion, even in the midst of his grief. When I ask you the question, where do we go from here in times of loss and death and lack and chaos and frustration and despair and I don't know what I'm going to do and, and all these things of I just don't know how to handle it. Look to Jesus for the example. Verse 13 said, when Jesus heard it, the loss of his cousin, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. At first, he wanted to be by himself. He wanted to go to a place that was quiet. You know, when you hear about loss and devastation and you're going through things, sometimes you want to be by yourself. Even Christ, he heard about that loss and how it happened. And he went to a deserted place. Some of us go and we don't want to be, we don't want to talk to nobody. We don't want to have the conversation, the interaction, all the people saying, oh, my condolences, because you just can't handle it right now. It's not that Christ could not handle it, but he chose to go to a deserted place. But look what happens. But when the multitude heard it, what did they hear? That Jesus was around. Jesus was in their vicinity. And that's the thing you have to always remember that 
he's never going to leave you or forsake you. Reverend Watts was at the beach. He's there at the beach. He's there to be proclaimed at the beach. You can go to the hospital. He's already at the hospital. There's nowhere that Christ is not there with you because he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So when the multitude heard it, that Jesus was around, and that's what he got. He's around when Jesus was around. He said, but when the multitude heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities all around. It didn't say he was in one place in one city. All the cities that were surrounding where he went to that deserted place, they all heard Jesus was there and they came and followed him. And that's the thing about when you're going through something, you got to still follow. I know it's easy to fall apart, but you got to follow Jesus even in the midst of your loss and your sadness and your devastation and your despair. My heart is speaking today to somebody. I don't usually teach on this day. Y'all know that. But the Lord said, this got to get out now. It was for my selfish purpose at first because I wanted to have Labor Day and rest a little bit from what's been going on. But Christ says, you got to get the message out. And it says here, but when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, now think of that. He had gone to a deserted place to be have some time his cousin just got murdered he just heard that his cousin didn't just get murdered he got beheaded but it says he was in a deserted place and wherever he was he was inside but it says here that when jesus went out he came out from wherever he was by himself but when he came out he saw just like he sees you and i he sees what's happening behind those pretty houses with the big cars he sees what's going on and sees each of us with our, our nice smile that sometimes is not real. He sees us when we say everything is fine, but we falling apart on the inside. He sees us. And it says here, he saw a great multitude. And here's the key words. And he was moved with compassion for them, for us. Don't think you're by yourself in whatever is going on, even today in this pandemic. It may look dark. It may look low. It may look sad. It may look so terrifying of what is next. But remember, Christ can be moved with compassion for us, just like he was moved with compassion for them. And look what happened. He was moved with compassion for them and heal their sick. Now, everybody always thinks sickness is always diseases, but guess what? Depression, anxiety, fear, overwhelmness, heartache, all those are sicknesses of the heart, of the mentalness, of what goes on on the inside, that only Christ and the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit know what's going on with you. You can put on for all of us. You can tell Sister Helm all you want. But the reality is Christ knows what's going on with us and he can be moved with compassion. Now jump over to Mark chapter eight, because the same thing, I don't want y'all to think I'm making this up because it's, the gospels are wonderful because the spirit of God allows the different writers to share in their own words, the same message in Mark chapter eight, verses two, it says, this is Christ speaking. I have compassion on the multitude. Do you think that compassion ended? 
Did you think it ended on the cross or was this personified on the cross? That he has so much compassion that knowing all our dirt, all our sin, all of our secret sins that we think nobody knows, Christ knows them. He knew them and he knows them. And he already knows the ones you're going to commit tomorrow in the future. But he said, I have compassion. He's going to the cross. He went to the cross for the compassion he has for the love for us. He says, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. So those mamas, those fathers, those grandmothers, those people that say that I don't have enough to eat. My kids are going hungry. I'm going hungry. If I don't get to the food bank, if I don't get to the school to let them deliver food, if that neighbor doesn't come on, if, if somebody don't help me, I don't have nothing to eat. I don't have enough to eat. You can know that even when Christ here in this passage saw that people, the multitude of people did not have enough to eat. He was moved with compassion and he recognized they had a lack and their bellies were going hungry. But look what it says in verse three. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way. For some of them have come from afar. So Christ can be touched with the things of lack. So the first thing I want you to remember or know, if you don't know it, I'm going to tell you so I can make it plain. But for those of you who are Christian believers, who even when you're going through, you can forget. I want you to see he has compassion. The next thing is service and not just his service. We as Christian believers, we have to have service for God. We are the hands and feet and arms. And if we got two loaves of bread, don't let the person that you know is hungry. Take one of your loaves of bread to them. If you know there's families with kids and somebody ain't working, it's not hard for you to say, well, maybe I should get an extra when my grocery shopping and take it to them. If there's an elderly person that can't get out, maybe you should say, what can I do? Maybe I should bring them some eggs or some water. Maybe I should be thoughtful to them. Maybe they need a little help. Don't wait for the call. You be about the call because Christ asked us to serve. To serve. Let's go to Mark chapter 14. You're not that far away. Mark chapter 14. And let's go and look at verse 36. Verse 36 says, I'm sorry, I did the wrong verse. But we're going to go to the verse that talks about Matthew chapter 20. So jump on over there. I jumped over. I'm going to get back to that mark. But Matthew chapter 20 talks about how we're supposed to be servants and serve one another. So in Matthew, let's start with verse 25 and go to verse 28. But Jesus called them to himself and said, now he had just told them some information about he's going away. And there's foolishness on both sides of the mother of Zebedee asking, can her sons be on the left and the right? And there's this conversation back and forth about what they think they're going to be able to do and they're not. But in verse 25, Christ says, but Jesus called to them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Here's the thing. We all want to be CEOs. We always want to have the big office. We want to have the admin assistant. We want to have the big cars, the big houses. We want that stuff because we want to show people how important we are, how, how truly we should be looked up to. But the reality is Christ is saying, don't be getting so enamored and happy and joyful about those people in power because you can have a lot of people in power that don't care about the poor. They can talk a good game. 
But when it comes to people who are in lack or need, they show themselves to show what's important. But Christ is telling us as Christians, she said, you know about the big heads, the big, the people in the, the big cars, the big, the big guys. You know how we always say this command? Oh, that's, that's way above my pay grade. You know about them. But Christ is talking to you and I. And he says in verse 26, yet it shall not be so among you. Y'all get that? That's Christ telling us in 2020. It shall not be among us that we should be lording over people and having such authority and really don't care that we could be rulers and the people in charge and leadership and not care. He said, he doesn't want that among us. And he says, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Do you understand that even now Christ is sharing this example, even in the midst of the pandemic, serve, share, give, help, support. What other words do I have to say? He wants us to serve. We can pretend like all is well with our house and that's good enough. It's not good enough because Christ has compassion. Christ wants us to be servants, wants us to be the least, wants us to go and help those. Was it any thing that you learned when he took himself as the deity in flesh without sin and washed dirty, stinky feet? The foot washing wasn't just so we can have something that we do once a year, some, some denomination. It's about we all have to be willing to even do the dirtiest thing. We don't even like to wash our own feet or our spouse's feet or our children's feet when they get grown. Can you imagine that Christ is saying our service has to be even about doing the things that we think is gross. We don't want to do it. Our nose flinches. We have to serve. And in the midst of this treacherous time of life and death, our compassion, as he has compassion, we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. He had compassion. He saw the need and he didn't just close his eyes and say, no, everything's fine in my house. That's good. There's food banks around you. Send, send a couple dollars. There's grieving around you. Send a couple dollars. It'll mean you can't get your nails done this week. It'll mean you can't get that outfit online. It'll mean that you can't get your hair done. It'll mean that you can't do all the stuff you want to do. Go on vacation, be at the beach, do all the stuff that you want to do. But sit, share, serve, look, open your eyes to see the needs in your community, in your neighborhood. I'm sure there's churches you could call. If you don't know nobody poor, if you don't have anybody in need, pick up the phone and call a church and say, do you have a family that you know could use a little extra? Because all of us got some extra somewhere. All of us are not poor. If we on these devices, that means we got a phone bill. We got a mobile bill. We doing texting. We got all kinds of extra stuff. But there's people that can't even afford the phone anymore. So there's another thing. Compassion service. The last one I don't want to point out because I'm going to keep it short because we got to teach for the service coming up. Restoration. I'm going to tell y'all, I'm not going to go to all these passages because it takes time. I want y'all to think of these examples of restoration. You've heard of Christ re restoring people in their health. Yes, he, the people were sick. They got well when he touched them. They got healed. But think about Samson. Samson was backslidden. He had a skirt problem, married the wrong woman, 
got his eyes poked out, was in prison, was being humiliated, but Christ restored him. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of the divine nature, even in the Old Testament, restored him to allow him to have the power to bring the enemies to accountability for the evilness. Think about Paul on the Damascus Road. He was going the wrong direction. He was persecuting the children of the way, allowing papers to go to place to place so he can call devastation, death, and destruction. Christ had to knock him down. And some of us, when he restores us, he has to knock us off of our horse. And they may not be the horse of a physical animal, but he has to knock us down because we're on the wrong path. We think we're doing right and we're doing wrong. And he has to knock us down. And we have to say, who are you? We have to go, who are you? We have to say to the Lord, who are you in our lives? And Christ got to say, this is Jesus whom you're persecuting. And he's going to blind us a little bit because when he opens our eyes to see, we have to see who he is and what he wants done. And that's what Paul says. What do you want me to do, Lord? And some of us got to be restored so we can see Christ. Stop the path we're on and see Christ and be about the Lord's business and not our own selfish business. Think about Peter. Peter didn't know himself enough to know that he was going to deny Christ. But he told Christ, you don't know me. And a lot of us still want to tell Christ that he don't know us. Christ knows everything about us. He knows us when we were young. He knows us where we are now. And he knows us when we're older. And he knows those secret sins that nobody knows about. Christ said, you ain't got to whisper to me. I already know that stuff. I know where you're jacked up. He says, but like Peter, Peter told him to his face, you don't know what you're talking about. I will never deny you. And he had to come back and say, you are not going to only deny me once. You're going to deny me three times and the cock going to crow when you deny me the third time. And Peter had to go through that and he cried and he wept. But look what Christ did. Christ restored Peter. That's where we're going to go now to John chapter. We're going to go to John chapter 21. Now, the restoration doesn't mean that we don't always act a fool, even after Christ restores us. Christ told the women, go get, my, go get Peter and the disciples. But at this point here, Peter decides that when he gets restored, he knows Christ still considers him one of the disciples. He has a time where he says, I'm going fishing. Christ didn't tell me, tell you or me or Peter at the time, follow me for you to go fishing. Follow me so you can go to the mall. Follow me so she can go get your hair done and your nails done. Follow me so you can go to work in your, in your natural job, your secular job. But here Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said, we go with you. He's a leader. And some of us are leading people astray because we got our focus on the wrong thing. But when Christ restores us, he has to have a conversation intimately with us to make sure that we get our, our, our things back on the track of Christ and the Lord. And do you remember when Christ was in the time where he was with the disciples and he kept told his main three, he said, just stay here and pray, watch and pray. And he kept coming back after praying to the father and he kept being sleeping and sleeping. That's how we are. Sometimes we sleep on the things of God. We sleep on the work of God. We sleep on the worship of God. And Christ had to talk to Peter and say three times, these questions to you love me. Do you love me? Do you love me? And he kept saying, yes, yes. And he got frustrated. Why are you asking me? It's three times. But remember, you denied me three times. I got to make sure you got this right. Because when Christ is restoring us, 
We get distracted, saints. And pandemic land is no different than our distractions. We can be distracted even in our despair and our hopelessness. We can be distracted in the fact that we fear what's next. But what's next is what Christ has. He's compassionate. He wants us to serve. And he wants us to remember that we were restored first on the cross with our salvation. But our daily our daily life, we have to remember when we wake up in the morning, God gives us the breath of life. He didn't give it to us for no purpose at all. He gave us so that we could work for the worship of who his son Jesus Christ is. We got to remember that. So when we get here in this, this conversation, I'm going to go to John 21 and make it a little quicker and start at verse 15. So when he had eaten breakfast, See, Christ ate breakfast after he was resurrected. So when he'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said, Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? These, is it these disciples? These things around you? Do you love Christ more than the building that you're not going into? You know that because guess what? Those who still have jobs, are you still doing tithes and offerings? Really? Do you love me more than these? These things around you, these people around you, these obstacles around you. Do you love me more than these? He's asking those same questions to us. He's restored us through the salvation of his blood, but we're in a pandemic. Is he still Lord of your life even in the pandemic? Where do we go from here? We still serve. We still are compassionate. We still remember the salvation restored us to a right relationship with Christ. Nothing we're doing in our flesh did, but Christ's blood did. Don't take it for granted. Even in the pandemic, where people are losing their lives on a daily basis, not one at a time, 10 at a time, 1,000 at a time. They're predicting 3,000 at a time. You can say, oh, that's fear, fear mongering. You can say whatever it is. You can believe what you want to believe. But the reality is truth is truth. Facts are going to be facts. People are going away from here faster than they went yesterday and the day before. You can think that's a hoax. You can play games with the truth, but God is truth. And the spirit of truth, if you listen to that teaching from last week, you understand the spirit of truth only speaks what he knows because he comes from the Father. And what we're seeing here is that in the midst of whatever is going on in your life and my life, keep our eyes on Christ. It may feel that you are by yourself. You may think it is shouting at you. But guess what? Satan is a father of lies. And he's got some kids out here that are liars. And you better be careful when you believe the liar over the spirit of truth. And God says we must show compassion. God says we must serve. We must hope in him. We must believe in faith. It says it's impossible to please God without faith. We have to have faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this, this ain't churchy. We get ready to start our worship service at 11, and we're going to do communion. And guess what? When we go to examine ourselves, saints, be real. Don't be fake. Don't be churchy fake. Please don't be churchy fake. You know whether you're in Christ or in right relationship. You know it if you love him. Do you know that you've accepted him to be Lord and Savior of your life? Or are you playing games? But people are dying. Something could snip up your nose, go through your throat, and you could be dead in days. 
Don't play games when it comes to your salvation. Don't play games when it comes to saying that you love Jesus, but you close your eyes to the needs of the people that you see. And Christ asked you, just like he asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? I say it every week. You cannot love God and mammon. You will love one and hate the other. I pray in the name of Jesus that those of you who say you love Christ, pray, pray. We don't know who's going to be here at the end of this because we don't know when the end of this is coming. It's not just about voting. We got to vote, but we got to start some intercessory prayers to the Father for salvation because we don't know when God is going to say, meaning the Father, all right, Christ, the word is God around the country and around the globe and everybody's heard about you. And those who have received you, I know who they are. It's time to shout. Let's get, let's get the horn blower and let's go on and uh, have some rapture. We don't know when that's coming. We don't know if we're going to live to see that in this natural plane, but we know that God says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And when you get into his presence, you better know Jesus. Because if you go in there with your resume saying you're a big shot and you got all this kind of money, it ain't going to mean nothing. It's not going to mean nothing because if you don't know Christ, you don't have access to the Father. You don't have access to the Father without the Son. Play the games you want to play, but you don't want to have the Lord Jesus say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You don't want to hear that. Because guess what? You can't talk about what grandma taught you, what grandma showed you, what mama showed you, what daddy showed you. My daddy was a preacher. My uncle was a preacher. That won't make a difference if you don't know Christ for yourself. Well, I love you and I thank you. So instead of tomorrow, you got it today. I love you and God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.